What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Marshall, live, and I am live. And we are back with another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. We have got another amazing guest here today. And if you've never heard of this show, if you've never watched the Marshall Gillen Show before, you're in for a treat. And if you don't know about us, we are on a mission to save lives with the power of vulnerability and storytelling. Because those of you who do know the show know that I believe your mess is your message. And if you can take that worst thing, that biggest challenge that you've ever been through in your life, and you can turn that mess into a message that goes out and empowers people, that supports them, that inspires them, and that gives them the tools and the resources that they need to change their life, then you know that that's what this show is all about. And today we have another guest, another expert in my network that I'm super excited for you guys to listen to. So do me a favor. If you're just starting this episode, be a friend, tell a friend, give it a share, because today I'm live with all-star husband, all-star father, founder of Argenta Solar, sales consultant, speaker, and host of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast, Mr. Douglas Mitchell. We're going to bring him on today. And I'm thrilled, you guys. This is a guy that I've been following online for a while. If you know him, then you know how awesome he is. If you guys are just getting ready to meet him, then you are in for a treat. And we're going to get Douglas on here real quick. We're going to see here. And Mr. Douglas, I don't see you there yet in the in the interview or in the option to add you on. So I'm on my cell phone. My cell phone is vertical up and down like this. So give that a shot. Hey, listen, to the Gillen gang out there, if you're watching this episode and you're not out there sharing your story and sharing your message yet, like what in the heck are you doing? Literally, you have a cell phone and you guys know that Gary Vaynerchuk has been telling us for years now that the mobile phone is now the new TV. And honestly, you have an opportunity to tell your story, to build a brand and to share that message with the world right here on social media. So I know a lot of people are out there using social media, using their mobile phones just to entertain themselves, to kill time, to distract themselves. Meanwhile, there's leaders like me, like Douglas, and like a lot of you out there who are using our messages and our stories. We're using social media. We're using the mobile phone, and we're going out there and making a big impact. And today, I'm super excited to dive into this with Douglas because this is a guy that I respect so much and have an opportunity to talk to him for the first time today. It's going to be awesome. Hey, holy cow. Look at Gillen Gang. I think technology's working. We got Douglas coming on right now. It says we're joining, so do me a favor. Give me a like. Give me a love. Tell us below where you're watching this from. And if you're listening to the replay on podcast, do me a favor. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you love it, let us know. If you hate it, let it let me know. I got thick skin. It's all good. Hey, there he is, man. What's going on, Mr. Douglas? What's up, brother? How you doing? Dude, I'm doing so good, man. It's great to connect with you today. Now, I know all your social media profiles say Douglas. Is it Doug or is it Douglas? Uh, either one is fine, man. I'm Which good with either one. Which one do you prefer? Uh, Doug is fine. All right, Doug. That's cool, man. Hey, thanks a lot for being here, brother, man. Tell the audience where you're uh, tuning in from. So I'm actually in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas right now. Uh, I'm meeting with my solo team that's based out of here. And uh, we're, we just got done with our wrapping party, actually, for uh, a champion shoes. Okay. And uh, so, so we were wrapping shoes for uh, 25 kids in need here in the Coastal Bend. And uh, that's something that we do uh, quarterly. We do the wrapping party, but monthly we donate champion shoes so that they're able to send those shoes, those shoes out to kids in need. That's actually Mike Claudio's foundation. So we've been involved with them for about a year now. That's rad, man. I, I I follow Mike online, but I don't I don't really know a lot about him yet. But I keep everything I keep seeing him doing. I love, and I didn't know you did that, brother. Like um, one of my mentors, Cole Hatter, taught me make money matter, and so it's awesome when I connect with other entrepreneurs who are actually creating like four purpose aspects within their business. I don't know how you feel about it, but 
like my mentor was telling me, he's like, entrepreneurs are like superheroes, dude. Like we have the ability to go out and make money. And so if you need a million dollars to live your dream life, how can you go out and make $2 million, give a million away and keep a million to live your dream life? So I'm always stoked about people who are doing that. How did you get into that? So I've been, uh, you know, I've been in uh, Apex for a while now. And uh, Mike Claudio told me about his foundation and he, you know, you know how he sold me on it is he kind of walked me through that feeling that kids get when they get the new pair of Jordans or the new pair of Nikes or whatever the case is, you know, you're 10, 11 years old and you got the same shoes that Jordan's wearing, you know? And so he was like, I just want to recreate that, that feeling for kids that are, you know, not able to afford those kind of shoes. You know what I'm saying? So Amen. immediately, immediately I wanted to get in, involved and we had just gotten into solar. So I was like, you know what, we can give away two pairs of those shoes with every solar system that we sell. True, I, I love that. And it's like, and I again, I'm gonna hear a little bit about your story today. We're gonna ask you some questions. Dude, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And, yeah. and I'll, I'm sure you'll have some to add to this, but I know from my experience, Doug, is that when I started in entrepreneurship, the goal was to make money and create freedom. And then like, I made all this money, I had all this freedom, but I was like supremely like unfulfilled. And it wasn't until I was able to start to find avenues like giving shoes, uh, donating gifts, doing these things, taking care of people who couldn't take care of themselves that I finally, for the first time in my life, like started to find that alignment and fulfillment mm -hmm. and it changed the game. So I wanna ask you a little bit about that here in a second, but I was perusing through your social media on Instagram the other day. By the way, if you guys aren't following him on uh, Instagram, go do it, Texas Biz Dad, T-X-B-I-Z Dad, uh, at Texas Biz Dad. And you're preparing for something that looks like a, a pretty big deal. Well, share with the audience what you were up to yesterday. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I ran a marathon yesterday. Bro, a full marathon. How, and how yeah. long is a full marathon? 26.2 miles. So was it an actual marathon or are you training for a marathon? Okay, so, so here's the story. Um, I have a friend named Zach Hawkins, and uh, he's based out of Austin, super smart guy. Um, he's in financial services, does an amazing job there. But uh, he is a endurance athlete. Right. So he, he does Ironmans, he does marathons, he does ultra runs and he's just kind of, you know, me and him were just talking. And this is something that's been on my bucket list for a while. I've done a half marathon, but I've never done a marathon before. And it was just one of those things, you know, like as you get older, you start looking for things to challenge you. Mm. And when you find those things that challenge you and you actually execute on them, it makes everything, all the crazy stuff you're doing in your business, all the pressure, all the challenges in your business, it makes them so much easier because it's like today, you know, I'm here on Monday trying to connect with my my salespeople in Corpus Christi, trying to, you know, just like you further my brand and everything. And it, and it is a huge challenge every day. But, bro, I just ran a marathon Dude, yesterday. <laughs> like, a freaking marathon, <laughs> homie. Like, I'm almost I'm, I'm 38. So it's like mm -hmm. the, my challenge is I get in the, the ice bath every day. Like, I yeah. don't know how you could challenge yourself to run 26 miles. It scares the shit out of me to think about, but also kind of makes me think like maybe I should try, try to do something like that because it is like one of the scariest things I can think of doing is going for a long run. Right. I'm like, no yeah. way. Yeah. And, and so it is. I mean, we all have those things that we kind of target and identify and maybe, maybe they're fun for some of us. Right. Yeah. But it's just like the extreme version of that thing that was fun for you. You know, I know people do tough mutters yeah. and there's all kinds of uh, challenging Spartans, all kinds of challenging physical things out there. But this was just my thing for whatever reason. It was something that I wanted to do. And then uh, shortly after that conversation, I Googled it 
And I was like, what percentage of the population has ran a marathon? It's less than 1%, you know? And so anytime, anytime that I see anything that less than 1% of people have or are doing or, you know, and it's directly tied to a challenge. It's not because they're you right. know, ner nerding out on something specific, you know, it's actually tied to a challenge. Um, I want to, I want to try that because, you know, I may not be a 1% percent of financially yet but if i keep doing one percent type mm. things i think i'll get there eventually dude amen i'm i'm a big proponent i know some people will say one thing or the other but i'm a big proponent how we do one thing is how we do everything it's something mm -hmm. i drill into my boys all the time and uh something that I, tr I truly believe in and so i want to ask you a little bit more about yesterday because the videos and stuff you were sharing uh mm -hmm. really were inspiring for much more than just the running aspect but i'll get to that in one second specifically, okay. specifically what i want to ask you doug is you know, as you're going through this marathon, you just shared a little bit about the 1%. What are some of the parallels that you have become aware of from the marathon experience that other people could learn about life, about business? Like, what are some of the parallels you've learned uh, from the marathon? I mean, obviously, you're very successful in your own right. You created Argenta, Argenta Solar Systems. You're a host of the podcast. You build great sales teams. You know about that. So even at this point in your journey, what has the marathon taught you? that you can now share with other people or maybe take it to another level? You know what it did for me and what a lot of things that I've done the past couple of years have done for me that I've been challenging myself with is given me humility. Mm. It's given me perspective on, you know, I thought I was special. I thought I was disciplined, you know, but the truth is I was just a little above average, right? And so when I was younger, you know, even 10 years ago, there I was always the smartest guy in the room. You know what I'm saying? I was always the most successful, you know, because I was making more than six figures. You know what I'm saying? And then if we adjust for inflation, that was a lot of money back then, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of sat on that hill for a while and allowed myself to get comfortable there. You know, right around the two, 300 grand a year mark, I kind of let myself get comfortable right around the uh, three kids and a wife at home and everything. And, you know, I had everything, I had the house, I had the cars and all that good stuff. So, so I let myself relax. I let myself relax for the tune of five years, probably, you know, it's easy to get into mm. that just repetitive going through the wow. motions and kind of, you know, all of us have talents and when we work in our talents, we make a lot of money. So it's easy to kind of like sit back on those talents. Think of your talents as like a couch, right? And you sit on them and you enjoy them and you know, you're making, more money than probably 80% of the world, which is, is great and everything. And you have more success, but it's like, you know, you could be doing so much more, right. you know what I mean? And so that's what the marathon was for me. It was like the growth that I've had in the past two years, I wanted to test it again. Right. And so what it taught me was I'm not as disciplined as I thought I was, yeah. you know, because with, with marathon training, I, I decided I was going to do the marathon six months before I actually did wow. it. And so, and, and and so what happened when you had that, like that big of a, a time to train right. is you put it off and you put it off and then maybe you go out and run four or five miles, you know what I mean? And then that's cool. And then probably like five weeks ago, I, I did a half marathon and I felt super accomplished and everything. But the, the bottom line is I only really ran 20 times in that six wow. months. That's 180 days. And I only did 20 runs. Now I was wow. working out. And doing some walks and other stuff like that but specifically for marathon training i only did like 20 runs right and so coming up to it in the weeks before i knew i was 
in for some pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? All, all training does is, okay, the recovery is going to be shorter. You know what I mean? Like the, the race is going to be less challenging if I've trained. And in that sense, you know, it, it sounds crazy. I'm kind of glad I didn't train that much because when I went into it, you know, first, so I did laps around my house because there was no marathons on the date that I wanted to do it. And, and every other day is covered. It's December. So we've got something going on every weekend. Right. And so I did lap, I have a six mile lap around my house. So first lap, I was solid, came through the, the kids are all there. The family's there. The table's all set up, got my goop, Gatorade, you know, banana, good to go. I'm on to the next lap. That one started to get a little challenging, but then I came in, I was fine, got a peanut butter and banana sandwich, and that fueled me up, got my sugar going again. And so th that was probably the thing I did best for this this whole deal was fuel. I had fuel. I was ready to fuel properly. Right. I had the goop, the goop and the, the water in my pockets and everything. So I was good there. But then when I came around the third time is when the real race started. It was right around 20 miles. And you hear about this wall, you know. You hear, but everybody talks about this wall, like, you know, and, and Drewby had just ran one the week before my friend Drewby Wilson. And, uh, you know, he told me it was at 13 and 18 and then 21. And I was like, well, I was fine at 13. I was, I was good at 18. So this 21 must be coming to slam me in the face. And so I'm, I'm, I'm on about 21 miles and sure enough, my AirPods disconnect. And I was like, like, oh, why is, you know, I had switched out AirPods because I knew they were going to run out of battery. So I had another set that I had put on and they disconnected. And I looked down at my watch and I realized it's blank. My watch had died. So the one thing I had tracking the whole wow. thing had just died. So now in my head, I'm like, well, there goes my screenshot. The prolific right. 26.2 mile screen screenshot that I was going to be able to show everybody yeah. what I did, you know. And so that just took me from here all the way down here. And then the mental game started, right? Right. All, all of a sudden, as if my body knew that I was just mentally depleted in that moment, my quads started cramping, Oof. right? And, and, and so I had to slow down to a walk. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I, I have no idea. what I didn't do any research on cramps, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I've just kind of kind of run through this. So I started running again. And then I started seeing black spots. I started seeing black spots and then I started getting a little dizzy, you know, and I was like, okay, I got to walk again. And I walked and walked and walked. And so I kept having to do this whole cycle of run, walk, see the black spots, like get dizzy or whatever. And I was doing my best with my fuel that I had. But so that last, that last five miles was like oh. the, the first 21 all put together. Yeah. Cause I kept, I, I didn't want to lose my pace. You know what I mean? And I kept having to push myself because I knew the longer that I walked, the less chance there was that I was going to finish because there was more time before I actually finished. So I just kept moving my legs again and moving my legs again. My muscles would start cramping again. So water, goop, you know what I mean? And, and fuel or whatever. And then finally I come to the straightaway. And uh, when I get there, I realize I start doing the math in my head, which is very hard when you just ran 25 miles. I was like, when I get there, I still have a quarter mile. So I'm going to see the whole family and everything. And then I'm going to have to pass them and run another 0.125 miles past them. And then 0.125 back, you know, and luckily I've been running these roads for a while. So I knew exactly what I had to do. And I 
I made it back eventually, but I'm telling you that last like point one two five miles, I was my foot was hitting every time I it was just dragging. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if you see the video when I'm finished, I saw you yeah, see it, 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 yeah, it hits the pavement and dude, I'm two hundred and thirty three pounds. Like this is no joke <laughs> for a guy my size to run dude, for, a marathon. For sure, you know. So it was it was crazy. But the point was is like I said I'm gonna do this thing. I put it out there. You know what I mean? I made the pack with Drewby that we were going to run a marathon. And then I put it out on social media, which hold me, held me incredibly accountable. Right. It's like, I got to go, I got to go and, um, I got to go and tell everybody I didn't do it if I don't finish, you know yeah. what I'm saying? 100%. And so that created all this accountability that was like, whether you're trained for this or not, you got to go out and do it. You got to make it happen. And then of course my family's sitting there watching right. me. And so that was, you know, most of the motivation I needed to finish. Dude, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. There's so much I want to mm -hmm. unpack from that. The first thing I will say is I'm 5'6", 175. So if I was 230, I would literally just run through walls just because I could, dude. I would just be like, <laughs> watch out, everybody. But yeah. uh, no, in, in all seriousness, no. It's interesting something you mentioned there because, you know, you have this, this expect, almost like expectation. Not, I mean, more, a little bit more than the intention. You have an expectation of I'm going to finish and I'm going to have this award, this reward, which yeah. is going to be the screenshot. And so I know oftentimes it's human nature, especially for entrepreneurs, we get, we get so attached to this thing, to an outcome. So just, I know you explained a little bit already, but like, what mm -hmm. is it like in that moment for our listeners, for our viewers, when you have such an attachment to something yeah. and you're in the moment of the grind, I mean, the hardest part of the grind, it's the same with building a sales team, building mm -hmm. a business, building a successful marriage. Like when you're in that moment and you, and you realize the thing that you're so attached to that you're not going to get. How do how, how did you push yourself through that? Like, is that always been Doug, or is that something that you had to develop over time? So it it definitely was developed over time because in the past I would have found an excuse or a lateral. Like I I'm a smart dude, so I can figure out a way to make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Same. <laughs> but in that moment when that happened, I heard uh, Trevor Trevor Cowley's words because he he has been running like crazy lately. And um, so Trevor Cowley is uh, one of the Real Business Owners um, podcast hosts. And so uh, I'm in his mastermind. And so I've, I've had a lot of time to be around him and talk to him. And one of the things he told me is like, hey, you're going to hit that wall. And, and at, at that point, it's just you and the road and the mental game, right? Because now when that happened, I had lost, I didn't just lose that screenshot. I lost David Goggins. Right. I had David Goggins in my ear from like mile 13 to 21. And so I was listening to his book, Never Finished. So when you have David Goggins in your ear, you're gonna finish, you bro. know what I'm saying? It's so funny, <laughs> so that, the you, next... it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was gonna ask you actually, I was like, Goggins would actually disapprove of the headphones. And then you tell yeah. me you're actually listening to Goggins. That's yeah. funny. So from, from mile 21 to 26.2, it was just me and the road. And one of the things I hate is being able to hear my labored breathing and mm. hear my footsteps. It's a weird, like, whenever I run, I don't want to hear all that because it, it, it's, all, um, it's all struggle. I don't want to hear struggle. I want to hear violin music. I want to hear a book on audio or David Goggins in this case. So I lost him. And so I keep hearing Trevor Cowley's words in my mind. And he's just like, dude, just one step in front of the other point to something on the horizon and run there Ooh. and then do it again. One step in front of the other, point to something on the horizon and run there. Wow. And that's what I kept doing. I kept pointing to something on the horizon. I said, I'm going to run there. I'm going to take a short walk 
you know what I mean? To recompose myself and not pass out. <laughs> and then I'm going to point to something on the horizon and I'm going to run there. And I just kept doing that over and over and over again until I eventually finished. Dude, that's so gangster. And I, and I think that a lot of people who may be at the beginning of, of a journey or, or depending on what kind of journey it is, a lot, I think what you just said, a lot of people might have missed uh, what you've already talked about in the first 10 minutes. And what I mean by that, Doug, is what I'm hearing you say is that you've never ran a marathon you didn't know what you were doing. And so what you did is you went and found people, created relationships with people mm -hmm. who already had the answers or had already succeeded at something you were doing. Now yeah. I'm assuming this is something you've done in multiple, multiple, multiple areas of your life. You've referenced being part of Apex. You've referenced part of being part of um, a real business owner's mastermind, which I know those guys are absolute gangsters. Mm -hmm. I know that Apex are absolute gangsters. So tell me a little bit about what the power of association or the power of proximity has meant to you from the beginning, maybe before you even created Argenta all the way up until now, like how have you been able to leverage that and what can our listeners and viewers get from that? So from a very young age, I had a chip on my shoulder, which was me against the world, right? And so because of my childhood, I, I didn't feel wanted and I liked it that way. All right, you don't want me, I'll move on, I'll do my own thing and I'll be successful despite. So that was my MO all the way until I turned 32 probably, which is, you know, when I got divorced and then I had to kind of look inward and say, okay, you know, and it started with my kids because I got divorced and I, and I only had half my time with them. Mm. So it, it just changed. I couldn't just be an example for them. I had to pour into them, you know? And so that, that kind of changed my gears a little bit there. It, it wasn't me against the world. It was me and them against the world, but it was also me having to pour into them. And so around 34 is when I joined Apex. And that was the first time that, well, the first time that I found my people and associated myself with people that I felt like made me better was rugby, Ooh. right? So I had my, I started playing rugby when I was 28. I had my rugby brothers, you know, but a lot of that turned into, you know, partying and drinking and all that stuff. So it wasn't the greatest, but it was the first time I felt like, okay, I'm part of something, right? It's not just me against the world. And then, and then I joined Apex and I was like, holy shit. These are my people, you know what I'm saying? They think the way I do. They don't follow, you know, the average mindset. They don't follow the rules when it comes to, you know, high school, college, get a job, retirement, all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, these are my people. They're dynamic thinkers and they're inspiring me every time I'm in the room with them. And when it comes to Apex or when it comes to RBO Mastermind and you walk in that, that room, you are never the smartest guy in the room you're never the richest guy in the room and you are never the most successful guy in the room so you constantly have people to learn from and to look up to and then after being in it for about a year i realized hey i have something to learn from everybody like everybody can teach you something whether you're at the top of your game or at the bottom of your game you know if i'm at the top of my game with building great sales teams i got i got taught something last week at an rbo mastermind uh michael burnoff was there speaking and uh, he's an NLP uh, expert and he was talking about this. Was, this is amazing. And I've been sharing this. I shared it on my Facebook and I want to share it again. So he's talking about when you tell your kids you're proud of them, that's in general considered a good thing. But what we don't realize is their self-confidence is now associated with your approval versus if I go to my son and, and I tell him, hey, son, you just accomplished this great thing. You should be proud of yourself. Right. Then it's a game changer because now, now he's got a, he has authority over himself and his feelings wow. and 
he he now has approval over himself you know wow and and when he said that i was like son wow. of a bitch like wow. he's 100 percent right yeah. i only tell my son i'm proud of him i never tell him he should be proud of himself <sighs> and so now now every chance i get i tell him that i tell my daughter that and my other son but what it also does is it transfers over to sales right so when you're sitting down with a prospect or you're starting that phone conversation with a prospect and and I'm I'm going to butcher this a little bit and he said to say it verbatim that's why I have it written down but I'll I'll give it a shot here so let's just say it's solar for instance right Hey Mr. customer I want to I want to thank you for even reaching out to me most homeowners won't invest in their energy control you should be proud of yourself for even sitting down with me today wow. yeah and what it what it does it flips something in their mind most people don't want to make decisions right and so what this does is it gives Gives them the authority to make the decision and now they're in the driver's seat which is where you want them yeah. because you want them to make a decision at the yeah. end of the day whether it's yes or no and the problem is most people say i'll think about it i gotta talk to my spouse whatever the case is but if you if you say something like that you should be proud of yourself for even having this conversation with me now they have the authority now they're in decision making mode because wow. hey i should i should be proud of myself because i'm having this conversation so it gives them that authority bro that it's so gangster and first off if nothing else happens to me to that for the rest of the day like that was worth everything i'm doing today yeah. i tell my boys i became a stepfather a year and a half ago you know i've been single man my whole life and i'm mm -hmm. very proud of my boys always and i always tell them how proud i am of them but like what a game changer you're right because i never frame it in a way that says hey yo like you should be proud of yourself you don't have to seek your dad's approval to be able to right. be proud of what you're doing because i'm not always going to agree with all the things that you that you do or that you want to do i think that's so massive and so i, I want to take a pause for a second we put the biz talk over here because you're something that i noticed the first thing i actually dug that i noticed about the videos i was watching yesterday is how supportive your wife and your family was first oh, off man. you have like dude you have a beautiful family bro like yeah. a beautiful family yeah. so let's let's pour into that for a second um because you did mention that you're divorced and we can talk to kind of talk about that in a second mm -hmm. but like how did you arrive at this father at this husband right now was it from all the things that you got wrong in the past and mm -hmm. not that I, I don't know you so i don't mean to be like yeah. you know but like wrong but but like tell me a little bit about that because your family was there like rooting you on for 26 miles <laughs> they had the signs <laughs> they had the car yeah. up at the pit crew like Tell me a little bit about it because a lot of men, and let, I'll just give a little context first for the listeners too. Yeah. I grew up the same with the chip on my shoulder. Like, hey, you don't want me? I'm not, I'll prove all of you wrong. But there right. became a point when that became the absolute limiter. And I realized that was a reflection of the trauma that was unhealed inside of me. And it wasn't until I was able to let that go that I was able to start to ele elevate to a new level. So where now does Doug come into that awareness in his life and how did you create this family unit that's like so dynamic and so behind you I, i'm sure you guys are super supportive of each other and i know it's not by mistake so what can other fathers and husbands learn from what you've you've, you've learned so just to provide some context uh my me and my wife got remarried five months ago bro what <laughs> yeah what yeah. let's go congratulations on me i appreciate it um so basically what happened was I, like you said, I had that chip on my shoulder, you know what I mean? So I had this idea of the perfect family, right? The problem was, is I had the idea right, you know what I mean? But I didn't have a plan for when temptation came into the fold. So you think about it, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I've just owner financed a door-to-door -door business, right? And then from 23 to 26, I, I blew it up from six or seven 
people to 110 salespeople and 5 million in commissions, right? And so at this point, I've got offices all over the country. And I have 13 total offices that, you know, I have regionals in place, but I still needed to show face, right? And so I would be traveling every other week, sometimes every week to these different offices, most of them around Texas, but, you know, I had one in Miami at one point, one in Denver, all over the place. So I, I became two men, right? When I was home, I was the good father, the good husband, and uh, the business owner successful. And then when I was on business trips, I was Doug Mitchell, a successful entrepreneur who cheats on his wife, you know? And so... I started living those two lives for about a year and a half. And then eventually God stepped in and said, Hey, you're not doing this shit anymore. Amen. So, yeah. So I was asked to give testimony at a church that we were helping start up and I'm in the church this whole time and I'm doing all these things, right. Compartmentalizing my life so that I don't have to take the guilt from over here and bring it to church. Right. And I was very good at this because I had learned it when I was young, I can compartmentalize my mom never coming for me when I was 12 years old and I moved out. I can compartmentalize my dad being an alcoholic and uh, not ever wanting me, right? I can, I can put it back there and it's right there where it's safe. And so I did the same thing in my own life and I w wasn't ready for that temptation. You know, I started making money. I'm not a bad looking dude, you know what I'm saying? So the, the yeah. women started making these advances and everything and I didn't have a, a faith-based armor on to, to be ready to deal with that, right? And so I lived that life for a year and a half, and then I stopped cold turkey, and then for another two years, I lived the life that I was supposed to, which is sewing into my family, and sewing into uh, my wife, and our marriage, and my business, right? The only thing I did wrong in that two years is I never told her who I was mm -hmm. for that year and a half. And so 2019, the beginning of 2019, I believe, um, or yeah, 2019, um, I had left my phone at home and, um, she found an old email or something like that. And it was just this small little thing, but I've been carrying this weight of who I was before and didn't tell anybody. I mean, literally nobody knew this, right? I've been carrying this weight around and I just unloaded on her and the poor woman, she was not ready for that. Right. She had her, she had her husband right here and she thought she knew who I was and all of a sudden I was this piece yeah. of shit down here right heartbreaking yeah and so we went through separation and then an eventual divorce right and so through that I made a decision I remember selling the house and she was already living in, in San Antonio I lived in Corpus Christi they're about two hours away and I remember selling the house and driving to San Antonio because she wanted to live near her parents for that support system so we made it happen and I was gonna, I was gonna move to San Antonio too. I had offices there, anyways, for work. And so uh, I was, I had all my stuff packed up. I was driving to San Antonio, and I told myself in that moment, I said, "Hey, you've single-handedly destroyed your life. You destroyed every blessing that God gave you. You're lucky you still have your business and people that are 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 willing to follow you, because they don't know the whole story. You know what I'm saying? So I told myself, look, I'm gonna live a life." of integrity moving forward, right? I'm going to tell everybody that wants to hear it, my story and what I've done and how I'm going to change my life. I'm going to put it all out there. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to stop living this lie. You know what I mean? 
And so I made that decision. And ever since then, whether it's uncomfortable or people don't want to hear it, whatever the case is, especially in those three years, because they, every, people would ask, why'd you get a divorce? Well, let me tell you, I just went through the whole story that I just went through, right? And so what I found is I developed deeper relationships. And uh, especially with my children, I started developing deeper relationships with them. I started focusing on them more when I had them because I only had them for half the time. And so what eventually happened was I started growing as an individual and then she did too. And so about two and a half years into the separation and, and divorce. So I would say about two years after the divorce, she found God again. Mm. And, and then she eventually forgave me. And then she started pursuing me again. And so, um, God is good. It, yeah. yeah. And, and so eventually, eventually we got back together. We started dating again. We got back together and we moved in together and that was yeah. hard. So you got to think, you know what I mean? If you're married and you've, you know, been married for a while, you got to think there's dating in between, there's relationships that happen in between. And we got to unpack all that shit and work through it. You can't just say like, hey, the last three years didn't happen. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> you know? And so we had to unpack all that shit and work through it. We both had massive insecurities at that point that we had to overcome. But one thing we did to overcome that was we prayed every night. And then shortly after that, I joined Apex, right? And so here I am in that role again. I've got my nuclear family again, right? And the devil is just like oh, hitting yeah. hard at that point. Oh, yeah. He's coming hard because he's like, oh, no, you're not restoring yep. this family. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so every Apex event that I had to travel for, every work event, there was just temptation constantly right. all around me. But what I did have is I had examples all around me. Right. Whether it was Ryan Stuman as an example or Drew Wilson as an example or Kale Goodman as an example. You know what I mean? I had all these people around me that were going to bed at 9.30, getting up at 4.30 and working out that were, you know, loving on their people and loving on their business and truly devoted to being an example, right? And so I had that all around me and it would correct me. Every time I got off the track a little bit, it would correct me. And then coming home to my family, we, we bought a new house out in the country in Divine. Could not have been anything better for us at the time because we kind of got to isolate ourselves a little, yep. a little bit and focus on our family. And so since then, and I would say the past really four or five years, I've been sewing into my family so much. And then that's how you end up with them outside, you know, with you running a marathon and holding the signs and running with you when you run by and everything, because, you know, they're, they're kids, they feel it. It's not, it's not a strategy in their mind. It's not something they intentionally do. They feel that love. You know what I mean? But for us as an adult, we have to in- make sure we intentionally give them that. We intentionally pour into them, whether it's our spouse or our kids, or else we're going to let life pass us by or we're going to become really average really Ugh. quick. So that's kind of how, I guess, yeah. that, that evolution came about and where I am. Dude, I, what, a be- what a beautiful story. I mean, obviously there's some tragedy in there, but like what a mm-hmm. beautiful message for so many people. And, and first off, Doug, I just want to say thank you for be, like, being willing to be so open and vulnerable with me, with our audience. Mm-hmm. Like my whole life is predicated on vulnerability and storytelling. Something I want to share though, to give a little context. And I want to ask you further questions. Like I can relate to that a lot because it's like, you know, coming up, I wanted to be the speaker and it's like hard charging. I'm proving everybody wrong. But then I get to this point where my drug use from the past 
now sneaks back in. I'm, I'm, I'm making all this money. I'm, I'm speaking with the biggest names. I'm traveling the world. I'm on stage teaching people that you can become anything you want. Tell them all this stuff. Meanwhile, I'm the guy that's in the bathroom blowing lines. Like I have this mm -hmm. full-blown secret coke addiction. I'm living two completely separate lives. Yeah. Now I had to end up leaving San Diego almost three years ago. That's how I end up here in Montana. Uh, God's mm -hmm. plan for sure, but it's that isolation part. So let me ask you, it's like, you know, where did the accountability actually come from? What's the, what is the moment? Did, was it losing everything? Was it one specific mentor? It's like, what was the part where you had to finally get your ass in gear? Because I know there's a lot of men who may not have be willing to bring the darkness to the light yet, but maybe here and this is going to give them the permission to do that hard thing. So maybe not even like what was the one thing, but yeah. maybe what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody listening to this if there is a man who's listening to this, who he knows what he wants, but he's still so stuck in the drama or the trauma and the darkness. Like, what is something you can share with that man right now? And just take a look at your life the way it is now when you're not investing in those things. So for me, I was in a relationship in that in-between time, you know, and uh, good girl, everything. But I knew, like, my gut kept screaming at me that, hey, you're not where you should be. Like, the depression really set yeah. in. And that's the crazy part. Again, compared to everybody, I had a successful business still. I was a hell of a co-parent. You know, I had to take a lot of L's in order to make sure that, my ex-wife stayed happy and I had an amazing relationship with my kids because of it. You know what I mean? And so after doing all, after doing all that, at the end of the day, when things were good, I still had this unrest in me, this, this knowing that I wasn't living to my full potential, you know, whether it was me knowing that if I did the right things to get there, that we could restore our, our marriage or whether it was me knowing that I wasn't, I wasn't living in integrity. Yeah. I was saying I was happy, but, and we all, we, we, we get happy with basic things. You know what I mean? Whether it be sex or food or money, you know what I mean? And sometimes those things are all right. And we think, we think that's what happiness is, but it's not. Right. What, what happiness is, is that true connection to that person that you know, knows everything about you and still loves you despite. What true happiness is, is that peace that happens early in the morning when you're actually grateful for everything that you have, you know? True happiness is having a conversation with God like he's a, like he's just another friend, yeah. like he's a homie, yeah. exactly. And, and until you get to that place, you can feel it. Like you can feel that unrest, you can feel something's off. You can feel that you want something more and at first, I thought it was just I was never going to be happy. I was never going to be content because all that trauma that was created from my childhood, this is my life. Right. You know what I mean? And I think it was that moment. The moment I, I, I looked around and I said, all right, I got the pretty young girlfriend. I got the, the three kids that adore me. You know what I'm saying? I got the ex-wife that, you know, doesn't love me anymore, but respects me as a co-parent because I'm a good co-parent. Like by today's standards and by this world's standards, I'm doing everything right. And I, and I look around and I said, this is it. This is who I'm supposed to be. And then as I'm saying it to myself and in my head, I'm just like, no, you're foolish. Right. And you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I know yeah. it.
You know what I mean? And that's, that's the whole thing. The more you start being honest with everybody else around you, the easier it is to have an integrity with yourself, yeah. the louder that, that, that voice, that subconscious that is steering you the right way, the louder that God's voice is when you're the more vulnerable and honest you are with everybody around you. So at that point, that voice was loud as hell. And I knew something was wrong. Something was off. And I had to break up that relationship, you know what I'm saying? So I could start working on yeah. myself. You know, I never used to get up in the morning at 4.30 in the morning and practice gratitude. Yeah. I never used to pray every night. You know what I mean? That's just been something I've been doing the last two years yeah. since I've been on this journey to correct those things within myself, yeah. you know? And uh, it would have, I know I can say without a doubt, if I had gotten married to, to that woman that I had the relationship before, I would have cheated on her. You know what I mean? Because I never right. addressed and repaired that that uncontent that I had, had in me. I know that's not a word. I can't think of anything else. Just that emptiness, the I void. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it's interesting because you said something that I wanted to touch on. You said that I found myself in this season where I was very complacent. I was it was I was making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year. I was doing things, but for some reason, I just was sitting on the couch of my talents. And something I want to mm -hmm. highlight for our audience, and something you can share, is that. You know, I was going to ask you, why do you think a lot of men do that? But you, you already actually already shared it. And it's like there's a lot of darkness that we oftentimes have hidden inside of us. And when we find that comfort zone of coexistence where we don't feel like we're surviving anymore and we can still keep ourselves safe in the identity that we're the man, even though we know we're kind of full of shit. It's like if people and I tell this to the men all the time that are in my inner circle, it's like, listen, the things that you need to do to make your business better have zero to do with strategy or more paid marketing. It has everything to do with what's going on in here. And it sounds like for you that when you were able to finally absolve that misalignment inside of you, that fire came back to go like, why am I just chilling on this couch? It's a pretty nice couch. Or like, why don't I get, you know, get 10 more couches? And that way I can give away 10 more couches. And so tell me a little bit about that. Like, what, what is it in your experience that keeps most men that are having success so, so complacent? Like, why don't they hit that next gear? And how can they hit that next gear? It's everybody around them, you know? It's it's everybody saying, hey, it's okay to, to chill out or it's okay to watch porn or it's okay to eat a whole piece of pizza or, you know what I mean? It's okay to, to do these things that hurt your body, hurt your mind and hurt your right. soul, you know? Um, because that, that is like the average person in this world that we live in, they are doing all those things constantly because, so they don't have to address that unrest exactly. and, and the fact that they know that they're not living to their yeah. full potential. So it's like, let me, let, let me get this quick dopamine hit of TikTok or dopamine hit of porn or dopamine hit of a one night stand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Let me get this quick junk food so that I can get through the yeah. next day. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, if I have to address all my shit from my childhood or all my trauma and actually work through it, then that's going to be hard. Right. And, then who am and that's too I? hard. And then who am and I? Then, and then at some point I have to admit that I'm not, I'm not special, that I'm human and I'm average. And the only way that I'm going to be above average is if I work on this stuff. Yes. And you do. You have to admit that you're not who you think you are, which is one of the hardest conversations yeah. to have with yourself because we all think that we're something else. And I don't mean like, like conceited or anything about that. We all think that we're the star in our own shows when we're, we're actually just an extra on the set. You know what I'm saying? We're just an extra on the set. But 
how do we go from being an extra to a main character and, and it is being honest with ourselves and having integrity with everybody around us and saying things like, Hey, I'm the reason that my marriage fell. Hey, I'm the re I'm, I'm the reason that my business took a million dollar hit last year. You know what I mean? Like, and we, and we talk about it all the time and it's a little cliche, but it is what it is. That extreme accountability piece will take you way further than that cheerleader of a friend that you have Amen. that over shots is telling you how amazing you Amen. are. You know what I'm saying? No, it's a that, fact. That ain't where it's Dude, at. the more success I have, the more coaching I need because it's like, you know, new, new levels, new devils. And so it's always something, it's mm -hmm. always, it's always the same thing, but different context. Right. And so you were speaking to something now and now I will switch gears a little bit. I, um, as a sales professional, you know, sales expert, I want to ask you uh, your opinion on something that's recently been in the entrepreneur news, and that's Mr. Okay. Grant Cardone standing up and telling people that if you make $400,000 or less a year, you should be ashamed as a father or a husband. Have you heard that? No, okay. I, I didn't hear about that. So Grant said something on the podcast the other day. He's like, if your father or husband making less than $400,000 a year, you should be ashamed of yourself. So just off the bat, and you hear something like that, Doug, how, what, what's like, what comes up for you naturally when you hear, when you hear something like that from somebody like Grant? So he's smart for doing that in the first place because now his name is in everybody's mouth, mouth, right? It's, it's, it's marketing one-on-one, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And he, he knows that all that does is pokes at everybody's insecurities. And so not, now they need to justify making less than yes. 400 grand a year. So I made less than 400 grand last yeah. year. You know what I mean? Me too. <laughs> um, I know exactly what I was doing in my business though, you know, and I know exactly why. Um, so, oh, no, of course I don't believe that. That's silly, you know, but I also yeah. know why he said it and I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not the route that I'm going to take to get yeah. likes and shares and, and attention, you know what I'm saying? But, but he is that dude, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and so, Grant is an interesting character, you know, obviously his success speaks for itself, but um, I actually, you know, I was back, back in 14, I was doing PR because I, I was big on recruiting and I knew that when people Googled our name, positive things needed to come up. So I invested, I think it was like $2,500 a month in a PR company and they got me on Grant Cardone's show, Power Players. Right. So I actually have a, uh, a video, it's still live on Grant's website uh, of our Power Players episode. And if you see me then and see me now, you're like, whoa, Doug, you lost some weight, right? But, and, but that, that's when I was that yeah. person that I talked about before. But anyways, um, immediately I, I, I didn't jive with the guy because he was trying to paint, he was trying to paint me as having come from poverty. And while I had my, my struggles in my childhood, I grew up in suburbia. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, moving in with my aunt, you know what I mean? She was a six-figure earner, and she took care of me. And uh, so I didn't have it as hard as a lot of right. people did, you know? And so I got I got frustrated with him trying to do that. And, um, and then, I, you know, I wasn't a polished speaker yet. You know, it was my first, like, big break, I guess you could say, in the, in the PR world. And then uh, they pushed me hard to sign up for his training program. Right. And, and so, or his uh, Cardone yeah. University, right. right? They white labeled it, Argenta University. And uh, I, you know, wasn't a very smart businessman back then. So I signed up for, you know, I had a hundred plus salespeople. So my cost on that was uh, five grand a month. Plus. Wow. And so before I signed, I looked over at Jared Glant, you know, he's his right hand man. I right. said, hey, 
the only way this works, because I don't have time to do it, the only way this works is if y'all have an implementation team to where y'all make sure my guys are using this. I mean, I, I get it. You can't hold them accountable, but at the same time, you can be in their face. Right. You know what I'm saying? Phone calls, accountability calls, group calls. I want to make sure that y'all have that in place because when you were pitching this, you said you had it in place, but I'm going to ask you again. And he said, yeah. And then so I signed the paperwork, not reading any of it. You know what I mean? And uh, it was probably about 14 months in. Nobody was nobody was using it. So I, I canceled my contract. And then so I've been sued by Grant Cardone. <laughs> so he sued me for for the rest of the contract. That's a talking point right there. I, and uh, it's yeah. always interesting, you know, because I, I you know, I've been able to have, you know, have conversations with Grant and work closely. And there's I get it. You know, and yeah. what, it, what it immediately makes me think of is uh, uh, be who you can afford to be when in whatever regard yeah, exactly. that really whatever that really means to you is like be who you can afford to be. And, and I, but I think that that's something that like, let's, let's, yeah, cause I want to be respectful of your time today, Doug, yeah. you know, as we start to wrap this episode up, but let's talk, let's, let's kind of start to end like right there is a lot of people who are coming up wanting to create movements, wanting to be a better salesperson, wanting to, you know, create a, create a mission or have this purpose. They'll watch the 0.001% of influencers online and then right. judge themselves against that all the time. And it's like, listen, while Grant has a lot of really great things to say, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do every single thing. Like right. you don't have to read Hal Elrod's uh, Miracle Morning and then have to do exactly what he does every right. morning. It's like, it's right. about finding the things that work, but then how do they work for you? So that being said, Doug, what makes a great salesperson? So it, it's, it's going to be the cliche things and they're cliche for a reason, you know, it's listening more than talking. And then when you're listening, you're trying to find ways that your product is going to improve that person's lifestyle. And if your product can improve that person's lifestyle and you do close them on that sale, well, then it's, it's making sure that at that point it's, it's your integrity, right? So making sure you don't just drop them like a bad habit and let the fulfillment team deal with it. Right. And that you still have that constant communication with them. And then you are, you're, you know, to me, every sale is a relationship mm -hmm. and you, you have to intentionally maintain that relationship. And that's not, you know, through a CRM, the CRM may tell you to call right. or to text or to reach out or to contact, but, but that part has got to be genuine. Right. And so I, I feel like at a very basic level, that's, that's what you need to be a, a great salesperson. But what I've found is, you know, especially from like a business owner standpoint or a sales manager standpoint, your systems are your strength. Right. Right. So if you have a lot of salespeople on your team and you don't have a built out sales program, you're going to get this constant emotional roller coaster of, okay, this salesperson's good. This salesperson's not that they need this, they need that. And you're reacting to what your sales program needs versus if you put a program in place that covers what I call Kodak, which is compensation, opportunity, development, operations, and culture. And you have good uh, documents to support those things and good systems to support those things and SOPs in place that your sales program will run much smoother and you'll have a foundation to operate on versus, all right, I'm reacting to, okay, this salesperson wants to change the pricing. This salesperson said that they need more training. This salesperson says we need to go to MDM or we need Cardone U or whatever the case is, right? Um, you got to establish that strong sale, uh, sales program first and then the, uh, 
systems for it to make sure you're operating property at a foundational level. And so, you know, compensation, is it clear? Can they make six figures? And can you fit it on one sheet, right? Uh, opportunity, do they actually have an opportunity and a growth path to move up in the company? If, if they do X, Y, and Z, can they get promoted? Or are they going to be stifled by um, nepotism or favorites or whatever the case is, right? Development. Am I developing them as a salesperson, improving their sales skills? As a leader, improving them, their management skills in my opportunity structure? And then thirdly, am I developing them as a human being so they can take the hits when they come, right? Yeah. So am I showing them, okay, this is what it's like to open, this is how you open up an LLC. This is how you minimize your tax liabilities. This is how you invest and use other LLCs to invest. Uh, this is how you meditate. This is how you work out. This is how you eat. Wow. Am, yeah. I, am, am I bringing in experts to educate my team on these things? And then uh, operations, right? If my sales team blows up and goes off, can I actually fulfill the demand that they've created? Right. Can I take care of the customers? Am I giving their customer surveys to get feedback? on the uh, customer service experience? Am I investing in recruiting, bringing on new people so they can actually move up in the opportunity structure? And then lastly, if I'm doing all those things, then that should be feeding my culture. And then how do I define that culture, right? Um, so for us, it's our mission statement. Yeah. You know, we help each other achieve freedom. So every one of us wears these bracelets. You know, we've got, uh, we've got five shirts each with our core values on them that we hand out. And so constantly my guys are, you know, we've got our Argenta energy drinks. So these are custom made drinks for people that uh, door knock, yeah. you know, the, the people that are out in the field sweating their butts off. So these are all natural, hydrating, um, anti-inflammatory, and then they help you with focus, you know? And oh, so, that's um, so fucking awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, there's these little things that like I said, okay, I'm going to intentionally invest in culture. Yeah. And so wow. I've got to define it, you know yeah. what I mean? And so our Argenta Energy is one of those things that's like, what solar company has their own Dude, energy drink? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a couple of months later, there was another solar company that came out with their own energy drink, you know what I'm saying? And so it was like, all right, we're trendsetters, wow. you know? But now they're not spending 4 or $5 on an energy yeah. drink every day, yeah. which some of them drink too. And then these are, you know, they have real sugar in them not the artificial right. uh, sweeteners and stuff. So they're better for them. And then uh, these are 45 calories wow. a piece. So it's nothing crazy, you know? Dude, that's and so crazy. I mean, like, I, I mean, yeah, it's very simple in concept, mm -hmm. right? But like the execution is what people usually suck at. And the, and I've talked to a ton of salespeople over my time, but man, like it sounds yeah. like you've got this whole thing like super dialed in. So go ahead. Well, what happened is I started hanging out with Apex executives. These are people that spend 50, 60 grand a year on a mastermind in the top level of it, right? And they started asking me like, well, how do you build sales teams this big? Or how do you, how do you execute quality and volume at the same time? And I started going through it. And what I realized is I was saying the same things over and over again. And eventually I just wrote out the system, which was right. Kodak, you know, and I'm, you know, Acronyms are cool and everything, but I want to make sure that these are the actual words that I'm using every time. So Kodak was like kind of military-ish, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I put that together and I wrote it out in like 30 minutes because I had been doing it the last 12 years. And so Kodak is what I actually like when people pay me to come out and consult for their sales program. 
that's how I audit their company. And then I fill in the gaps and then that's how we're able to create progress is through that foundation of Kodak. Wow. That's gangster. So if you guys have been listening to this, if you've been tuning into this, I don't care if you're on the podcast, if you're watching it on one of the social media platforms we've reposted to do me a favor, you go follow Doug. You're going to want to follow his daily content. You're going to want to listen to his podcast. And you're going to want to tap into the guests that he's bringing on because you can see that you're going to absolutely love the way that it impacts your life. It impacts your business and it impacts your mission. It's been really awesome having you on here today, man. I, I got to say, I wasn't real too, I wasn't too sure about it yet. Not, not sure. Like, oh, I'm not sure about Doug. I, yeah. I just didn't know anything about you. I've been following you on social yeah. media, but just have an opportunity to open up conversations and chat like this. You know, I always tell people when they come to my events or they work with me, I, I say, listen to everything I'm teaching you, but also take a step back and just watch how I'm doing it all. So you can copy it and take it, take it away. And for everybody that's yeah. listening here, it's the same thing. Like, Hey, this has been full of a lot of great information, but also look at what we're doing and how we're building relationships, uh, Doug and I like this, and ask yourself, who are the key players that you need to make relationships? Who do you want to be learning from? And uh, definitely, Doug, go out and connect with him because this has been really, really great, man. Again, I want to be respectful of your time. I think uh, there's a lot that I need to learn from Doug. I, I, I'm very amateur in my sales um, yeah. after hearing just a little bit about that. I, I makes me feel like I have a six-figure hobby. <laughs> okay, I need, to, I need to get serious about this business, bro. Like, what am I actually doing with my life right now? So last thing I'll ask you, brother man, and I'll let you go today. For anybody that's watching, listening, viewing to this uh, today, what's the be best way that we can support you or that we can support the mission that you're on? Man, just listen to the podcast, share, like, review the podcast. Absolutely. That's my baby. Honestly, that's what I pour my heart and soul into. Um, I love that damn thing. You know, there's so many things I could be doing, but I always go back to the podcast because I really enjoy it. And we do. We bring on a lot of amazing, amazing guests. We need to have you on, especially about about paid speaking, because that's that's huge, right? The an incredibly easy way to generate leads is to be a paid number speaker. one. Fast, you know what I'm fastest saying? Way, so man. fastest ways. And that's page. one to yeah, many. And that's how I'm going to learn from you, right? Because yeah. I, I just had my first two speaking engagements this past year, oh. and I want to do at least five this year. So I'm oh. excited about that as well. Yeah. Well, I don't got to tell you. I, tell, I can tell you in 30 seconds what it is. Host your own event and invite the people stages you want to speak on to your event. It's that simple. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you don't even need me. Just host your own event. And it's yeah. not even really for the attendees. The first one, it's to build relationships and to build that legacy, that legacy thing. So, dude, it's been such a tremendous honor getting to meet you, brother, man. Like, I really appreciate everything you shared today. Thank you so much. And again, if you yeah, haven't connected with Doug Mitchell yet, do it on every platform or your favorite one, whatever it is. Reach out, have a chat with him. He's a real dude. And I'm sure he's going to give you a lot of value and some information, man. Thank you so much for being here, brother. We'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for Later, having homie. me out. All right, there you go. We're in the books again. Another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. I literally have the dumbest job of all time. I literally have to tell stories and I get to connect with people. I get to hear their stories and share with you. And I get to make money and help people and save lives. And like, what are we talking about? It wasn't always this good. And I'm going to say the same thing that I've been saying six years now. The same thing I say at all of my events. If you want to change your life, your health, your business, your relationships, I don't care what it is. There's one secret and one secret only. Get in the right rooms with the right people who have the right information and watch how quickly everything changes. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for your attention. It means the world to me. Thank you for being here with Doug and I. Make sure you go give him a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, like I said in the beginning, be a friend, tell a friend, get this into somebody's hands, get this into somebody's ears, and let's create some movement and some goodwill together. I love you guys. We'll talk soon.